You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery, and I am thrilled to be here. Take two. This is the second time that I have shot this intro because I rambled on for about six minutes, and let's not do that this time. So why have I not been here for the last two weeks? I missed last week's because of the band Fish being in Huntsville, Alabama. I can't believe that they played the Orion Amphitheater. Blew my mind that they would even come here, 8,000 seats when they could easily sell out arenas and stadiums. Blown away. Love the band Fish absolutely jammed out. It was so rocking. I uh, saw some people that were in the uh, recovery community that were, you know, in the program, if you will, that from around Huntsville there, it was super fly. The, um, the band fish, if you're not familiar with them, they jam out, they can take a four minute song and turn it into 20 minutes. And they, to me are just the most spectacular musicians that we have right now. I would rank them up, not just in lead guitarist where Trey plays, but also when it comes to the bass and when it comes to the 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 keyboards and when it comes to the drums, I'd put the entire band up there in the upper echelons of how good this band is. And so for them to be here was phenomenal. And they play two sets each night and then, of course, you know, the encore. Um, what's really cool about this band is that in between first set and second step set, there is a fellowship table spelled PH where people in the addiction recovery community can go and get around with each other. And they use this balloon and it bounces around in the air. And if you catch it, you get to tell a little bit about yourself. And it was super phenomenal to just be in that zone around a community that has chosen sobriety and recovery, but still loves to go see their favorite music, especially considering that fish followers are known for drinking heavily, hallucinogenic drugs, and definitely marijuana. I mean, at the end of the shows, when everybody's running around in the parking lot, still, you know, high off the experience of going to a fish show, there are people running around with nitrous tanks, filling up balloons like like they're being chased by Johnny Law, because most of the time they are. And it's phenomenal to be walking past all these people, wah, 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 which is the sound that I used to hear whenever I did nitrous. And there's all these balloons, and you know I'm getting offered, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. And they're like, all right, cool, bro, have a good night. And it was really cool just being able to be amongst all that and just float right through it and have an amazing time. So that's what I was doing last Tuesday and Wednesday. And so unfortunately, I did not have an opportunity to do the podcast. So this week, I want to bring you a powerful one. So let's do a little review of what I've been going through over the last seven or eight months, just to bring into scope what this show is going to be about. Um, We decided to move out of our rental and buy a home in January slash February earlier this year. And in the process of doing that, it became a lot, a lot of tasks of finding homes and seeing homes and all of this stuff. And it was a very emotional journey and one that, you know, we experienced very lively. And in fact, we committed to buying the house that we currently own and live in on Super Bowl Sunday as Patrick Mahomes was snapping the ball and throwing a touchdown pass to Kadarius Toney in the right flat. Kadarius Toney is a Florida Gator. He caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl right as we were committing to the realtor to buy this home. Like I'll literally never forget us saying yes to buying this house 
Patrick Mahomes snapping the ball and throwing Kadarius Tony a touchdown. So if you've ever wondered, I wonder when Jesse uh, decided to buy a house, um, go back and watch that Super Bowl. And when Patrick Mahomes hikes the ball and throws it to Kadarius Tony for a touchdown, that was the moment we said yes. And that was the moment we took on a lot of tasks. And by the time we moved in on right around April 15th, we were fully prepared for the move. I don't know if either one of us were prepared for the amount of responsibility and tasks and renovations and all of this stuff that was going to come with it. Not only were we moving into a home that we owned together, but now you know our son moved in to get on his feet and figure out school and some of the stuff for himself, as well as we had renovation projects. And of course, I have my business where I do the coaching of the clients and also go off and speak. And then I'm also doing the internship for the certified recovery support specialist program through the state of Alabama's Department of Mental Health. And as well as that, you know, I'm preparing to go in and get my master's so that I can be a therapist. And so all of these things are just, I mean, inundation, teaching NLP and the podcast, of course. I mean, this is the summer I decided to put College Success Habits podcast to rest, and I'll be wrapping that up by January 1st of 2024. And so, a lot of things were able to continue moving forward for me. And then there was some things that were not. The College Success Habits podcast had to go because, frankly, I was just, I felt like I had closed that loop. And at 170 some episodes, I was like, you know what? We'll finish up the back half of the year when everybody goes back into school. But otherwise, I think 200 episodes is a good number to let that leave and, and be the experience that it was. There's been some times where I make commitments to people, to be places, to make phone calls, to uh, set up appointments, and they fell through the cracks. And I'm not somebody who gives myself a lot of levity when it comes to things falling through the cracks when I make commitments with people. So it's been a difficult journey for me being able to balance my career, myself, and my relationships uh, around my physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual pillars in order to feel like I'm progressing myself forward, not just in my sobriety and recovery journey, but in the business and in my relationships and in my friendships and within the tribe and everything. It's a lot. And as much as I feel like I can handle as much as thrown at me, I have certainly learned over the last year or two that there's a point where I have to say, okay, I've got to take a pause. I can't handle any more right now. And some of the bigger things that fell through the cracks would be my physical fitness. I made a commitment last year, right around fall, I believe it was in October, to put on weight, basically to put myself up to 200 pounds. And in the process, you know, I know in the working out world, it's called bulking up. But I really was very strategic about adding 500 to 1000 calories each day and monitoring it and making sure that I was really doing it the right way this time. And things were very well on track until I went to Los Angeles to teach the master practitioners level of neuro linguistic programming with Aubrey Pohl. And she's been on the show, I think back somewhere in the 170s. And again, uh, even earlier when we started teaching NLP together. I was exhausted during that master practitioner training and it went great. And the people who attended loved it. We loved them and the whole thing went splendidly. But when I got back from Los Angeles, I was tapped out. And so I stopped going to the gym, but I continued eating like I was going to the gym. And over the process of the next couple months, and this would have been right at the end of March, whenever I stopped going to the gym, um, was it actually, 
take that back. It was the end of February. So that's when we did it at the end of February. And then we went back to LA six weeks later and did the last half of the training. And so basically from March 1st till about May 15th ish, even June 15th ish, um, I got myself, (laughs) I got to 200 all right, 199.8. And I've got it somewhere in my phone, but I don't think that the the dates are as important as what I felt. I put on the weight, but I wasn't going to the gym. And basically, I went to L.A. at 189, 190. And by the time, you know, I was done teaching Master Pack six weeks later, I'd put on the other 10 pounds, and I was not putting on muscle. And that's when a lot of old Jesse emotional avalanche came into play. And what we're going to discuss today is how I have cycled through the emotions that came with this disappointment in myself and how I have now turned that back around into a recommitment to myself to release the pounds I put on and then try it all again. And one of the things, like, of course I have coaches. I have coaches on my team, just like I believe everybody should have a coach on their team. And the coach, Matt Browning, the one who taught me in LP, we've been coaching each other now for about three years. And I got very teary-eyed telling him this story about how I had put so much effort from October till March 1st into putting on muscle and it was going extremely well. I was gaining, I mean, my size, I mean, it was really going well. And of course I was putting on some fat as well. You can't put on weight and not expect fat to come with it, but it was all very manageable. And I was still wearing my clothes and all my favorite outfits were still fitting. It wasn't an issue, but it became a very quick issue once I stopped going to the gym. And what he and I were discussing one day was, It's got to be tough to put so much effort into something, to really put a ton of effort into something, and then have the result that you were seeking pass you by. Because he knew how much effort I was putting into this, and he knew how important it was. And a simple six to eight week lapse back into sugar land just, to me, just took it all away. And I know for a lot of y'all who may not necessarily, you know, prioritize physical fitness, you can utilize this in so many different areas. I mean, this has happened to me in my relationships. This has happened to me um, with my business. This has happened to me when I've gone to take a course to learn something new, to get a certification. You can come into it hot and heavy, full of fire and ready to rock and roll, and then Something happens and it's like the result you were desiring just slips right through your fingers and you're like, you put so much effort into it and you really put a lot of planning and you're like, I got this, I got this, I got this. And for some of us, I mean, let's face it, I relapsed 10, 20 times over the course of my 22 years of drinking because I'd go, you know, three months, six months, nine months and be like, I got this. Okay, maybe I can actually finally, you know, go back to drinking like a normal person right back to, you know. (laughs) doing an eight, eight ball of cocaine at a Florida State Seminole University of Florida football game, right? I, mean, I had those times where I thought I had mastered it and then just to fall right back into the old usual behaviors. So why I think this is an important topic to discuss is that 
I had to sit down with Matt and the rest of my Daily Achievers Club this morning and really talk about what it is I experienced in order to get myself back into the right frame of mind to ground myself, to figure out my emotional um, surges, and to start feeling like I was moving forward again. And for me, I very much take the take control of your body, take control of your life mentality. I'm not sure if it was Sean T or somebody else over at the Beachbody coaching world that taught that to me, but I very much believe take control of your body, you take control of your mind, you take control of your life. I believe that they are tied. And for me, the best way for me to take control of my life is to put my body into a state of stress, to work it out, to burn off some of that energy, to let that adrenaline pump, to let those endorphins rush through my body. So as I was basically spinning my wheels from May and June to get this whole thing figured out, I was, unbeknownst to me, until we discovered my process today, putting myself through a process. And as I started to discuss it with my Daily Achievers Club, and this is a group of people that Matt and I meet with every Monday morning, and we discuss what it is that we would like to achieve, and we set out goals and hold ourselves accountable, and we meet each Monday morning. And I started breaking it down, and they were like, Jesse, this is phenomenal. Do you realize what you just said? Like, you have literally just laid out the entire process for how you were able to move through this um, undesirable emotional experience and be able to turn it back on its head and move forward. And so I thought, wow, let's figure out what it is I just said and let's type it up and let's put it into some show notes and let's turn it into a podcast. And here we are at minute 14, finally getting to that point. Over the last, I think we're at 13 days now, I've walked 10,000 steps. I have tracked my food for the last seven days and I have hit the gym three to five days a week, every single week for the last three weeks. I've gone from 199 um, right whenever I got pissed off at myself. Again, that was probably somewhere in that April to May region. I'm now ringing in at 182. And so just, just in the last couple weeks of 13 straight days of, of steps tracking my food, I have just noticed it's like a pound or two every four or five days. And it's not vanity that drives this. It's I like having physical body goals. Like this is something I'm going to do the rest of my life. I first got sober and I immediately got myself a gym membership and I just stayed in the gym and that's what I did. I worked out. That's what was important to me. I, I would just wander around in there and stay in there for hours if that meant not going home back to the bedroom that I almost killed myself in. And if you remember the story I told you about my buddy Ryan and my buddy Christian doing their little mini intervention during the Tour de France, um, it was the year I was turning 28. I was going from 28 to 29. And that's when Ryan introduced me to the gym. And I was like, wow, this is phenomenal. I started running 5Ks. I got super hyped. I was like, wow, okay, this physical fitness. I literally used to tell them, I my I am genetically not going to be able to have muscles because my dad didn't have muscles. I was like, my brother has muscles and my uncle has muscles. But I am genetically predisposed to just having a beer belly <laughs> and being bald. They're like, maybe to the bald thing, but not to the beer belly thing. And so I have used physical fitness to shore up my life since my late 20s. 
And now that I'm in my late 40s, we're coming up on 20 years now. So I understand this ebb and flow of physical fitness goals and working on them and then, you know, letting things slide off a bit and then getting back into it. And so now I'm like, okay, I don't want to keep sliding backwards. I want to keep going forwards. But what's important for me to note is the emotions and the state of mind that I cycle through. Just like there is the, the the five stages of, what is it, grief, where you go through those stages in order to heal from something. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and an acceptance. So let's dive into this because 16 minutes later, you know, I just... I just miss talking to you guys for so much. So what we were discussing today about this, and once I laid it out, I realized that I use a very similar pattern to shift my mindset from from bad, negative, angry thinking to more desirable, positive, moving forward thinking. So it's it ended up being a 10-step process. And I'm going to rattle them off for you right now, and then we're going to discuss them. So the first stage was anger. Then it was despair, then it was awareness, then it was acceptance, curiosity, hopeful, action, determined, excitement, discipline. So these were the 10, anger, despair, awareness, acceptance, curiosity, hopeful, action, determined, excitement, and discipline. And at some point, I might just give these their own episode. But for now, I feel like I want to rattle through these. And it might not necessarily that they get their own episode, each one of these, or even has a combined unit, but it might be how I figured this out, might be. So let's just get into it and let's just see if that comes up. So as I was discussing this with my DAC, which is what I'm going to start calling the Daily Achievers Club throughout this podcast, just so I don't have to keep saying Daily Achievers Club, my DAC, was that I was in a state of anger toward myself for a couple months. and. It was spinning and spiraling me. And see, the emotion of anger is an immediate thing. You feel that. And it will dissipate. But if you continuously go back, reliving the reason why you're angry in your head over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, that's when it becomes a state of mind. And when I started to research this, that emotions are generally considered short-lived, they're intense responses to specific events or stimuli, they uh, can involve psychological reactions and feelings that can come and go relatively quickly. Whereas a state of mind, on the other hand, is a long-lasting, less intense, but more stable condition of one's mental and emotional being. And stable might make you think that I'm talking about a positive state of mind, but it can also be negative. It can just be a negative, stable condition. And it may be tied up to the same specific events or stimulus, but it now represents more of the person's typical mood or outlook. So now you've got this emotion, which is experienced extremely intensely for a long period of time that shifts itself into a state of mind. So for instance, if you feel the emotion of sadness intensely, and then over a prolonged period of time, it might move into a state of mind known as depression. 
Now, caveat here, it's important to note that that's extremely simplified explanation. And the actual process involving emotions and mental states are complex. They're multifaceted. They often involve uh, a mix of biological, psychological, and social factors. So to just simply say that somebody feels an emotion of sadness for a prolonged period of time, and now they're in a state of mind of depression, um, it might sound a little belittling to those who actually are living a life in depression. But the point is to make it simple so we can move forward with this topic. Same thing with anger. You can feel anger in the moment, but if you continuously feel anger, then you just move into a state of mind of angry, right? Now you could be looking at little things annoying you, barking at people, snapping at people, just looking at life in a negative way and, and complaining. Let me spit that out. Complaining a lot. That's going from angry being more of an emotion to more of a state of mind. So this initial experience of anger that I had, right, it was triggered by just my lack of following through with my plan. I had a plan. I was going to stop putting on weight as soon as we got back from the second stint from Los Angeles to teach in LP. I only had to go seven more weeks. Right, It was six weeks to get to the second time to go to LA and then a week there and come back. And that would have been it. And had I just kept going to the gym for basically those last two months, I would have kept putting on muscle. But instead, it was just straight fat from 190 to 199.8. So then I got angry at myself for not following through. And it became repeated and prolonged anger because anytime I went to go put on my favorite clothes, they didn't fit anymore. Every time I looked at myself in the mirror, had this big old Jesse's a lazy ass belly, I got angry at myself. After a while, it just became normal for me to be angry. I started to, you know, anticipate the anger. I'd snap for no reason at people. I just, I get, I mean, most importantly, I just beat the shit out of myself. Go back and look at the episodes I was doing back in April, May, June, when I was talking about internal self-talk and how we work through emotions and forgiving oneself. And those were like diary entries from Jesse talking to Jesse. And after a while, the angry state of mind just became there, just angry at myself consistently, consistently. So then the anger moved into despair, right? Then I was like, I'm never going to figure this out. I don't know what I'm going to do. I read all of these books. I watched all these YouTube videos. I took all these notes. I had a plan. I had a strategy. And at the very end, it just dropped out from underneath me. And I was like, and you know what? It wasn't like I was getting that much bigger. I was like, you know, working out that hard for six months. What the hell? This isn't going to work. You know what? I should just be okay with the body that I have at 170 pounds and just I'll be lean, but I'm just not going to necessarily have those cuts that I was looking for. I'm 47. I'm always just got low testosterone because I'm not 18 anymore. It was just despair, despair, despair. Right, It felt like such a major setback because I put so much effort into this. Where in your life have you had those initial moments where you realize, I am not going to achieve this goal and gone into that angry despair spiral? Right, If you frequently experience despair, it can start just feeling like a normal everyday part of my life. Maybe that's what you've experienced too. 
it's like I just expected the disappointment. I'd go to the gym and I just the weights weren't going up the way they were. I was getting tired after 35, 40 minutes being there. My brain was just just doing nothing but beating me up. So I just would leave, like right in the middle of workouts. I wasn't even in the mood for it. I'd try to go walk steps and be like, oh, it's hot and I'm fat. And my God, if I lift my arms up, you can see my big old fat, lazy Jesse belly. I mean, it was pretty brutal. <laughs> The pessimism would roll in, the hopelessness. I just it became difficult for me just to enjoy just leaving the house because I just didn't feel like my clothes fit well. I felt like people could see right through my soul. Like this is a guy who says that he can accomplish things and he teaches other people to accomplish things, and then he just you just blew it, buddy. You're just a big blowing it up loser. I mean <laughs> I'm joking about it right now, but I swear to you, the anger and despair spiral I was going through, uh, and I'm not saying that I'm completely out of it by any stretch, but I am certainly moving forward on it. It was a lot. So I had the anger. I had the despair. That was pretty much my life in April, May, and June. I mean, just like I literally, so girlfriend loves to bake. And when I say love to bake, I mean, it is like her happy place. And she is good at it. I mean, freaking phenomenal. Somewhere in my social media, probably on my Instagram, is the cake that she made me on my 45th birthday when I went from 203 pounds down to 159 pounds in basically six months doing it extremely healthy. And I mean, just busting my ass. I was completely dialed in. And that's something else I've learned. It is way easier for me to shed weight than it is to put on muscle. And for a lot of people, it can be different based on hormones and age and lots of factors. But for me, I have a system that basically can allow me to just, I can shed and release weight. Um, I've got it all dialed in. And so that particular time I dialed it in and I went from 203 to 159, which was the weight I was when I graduated high school. And so she made me a uh, trip, double layered red velvet cake with a cheesecake in the middle of it. <laughs> it was phenomenal. And um, I cut it into 16 slices and I ate it for 16 days, these tiny little thin slices. It was the most amazing cake. So here comes my 47th birthday and she's offering to make me a cake. And I was like, no, I have not earned cake. No birthday cake for Jesse. That's how pissed off I was at myself. So Anger, despair. What are your initial emotions when you don't accomplish something? It could be fear. Fear was certainly a part of it in there too. There was certainly some shame and there was certainly some guilt. I mean, any of these negative emotions can show up. For me, it was just the first two. Then I started to work my way through it. But again, anger and and, and uh, anger and despair were just the two that we highlighted today. Was there fear? Was there shame? Was there guilt? Was there jealousy? Uh, was there spite? All of these. And they were all aimed at me. I basically was just standing in a mirror screaming at myself. So then, phase three, stage three, if you will, became this awareness. This was an insight that I gained about myself that I have achieved a lot of things. And not all of these things have played out the way that I had hoped, but there was still some level of achievement there. The first 
five months of this process, I put on a lot of really strong muscle and I stuck with it and I monitored the food and I was hitting the gym and everything was going extremely well. And I had this awareness epiphany with Matt one day when he's like, look, man, he's like, you just need to settle into the fact that this is what happened. You did really well. You got really tired. A lot of things started going on in life and the gym just got, became something you cut, but you just kept eating the sugar like, you know, it was your job. It just settle into that. And for me, just having that level of awareness, like, okay, I'm feeling these emotions and these are okay emotions for me to feel. And it can be tough for me to admit that because of what I do you know, as a job, helping other people and guiding other people and, you know, being of service to other people. I have this desire to be perceived as somebody who at least has their shit together most of the time. And the fact is, is that regardless of how much NLP I've learned and how many times I've taught it to other people or how many people I go in and counsel and help and coach and all that jazz, I'm still a human and I'm still going to feel emotions and I'm still going to seek to achieve something great and then watch it just fall apart at the end. And in reality, it didn't even really fall apart. I basically just stopped working at it. What did I expect to happen? Where does that happen in your life where you're like, you're working on something and you're like, all right, this is it. This is the formula. I'm going to keep working on it and this is going to happen. And then we stop doing the things that we're working to get us there. It's like when you first got sober and maybe you are still first getting sober in that first week or month or, you know, you decided 30 meetings in 30 days or 90 meetings in 90 days, whatever you ended up doing, whatever your program was, we get into this thing where it's like, it becomes a system, becomes a structure. And then six months, nine months, we stop going to meetings as much and stop calling our sponsor as much or stop calling our recovery friends as much. And then a year, year and a half into it, we're looking around like, yeah, you know, I mean, this sobriety thing's really blowing. Life just seems like it's going shitty. And, you know, we get into this spiral and we forget that there was things we did to get ourselves out of the abyss that is the undesirable emotions. We want to continue doing those things. Maybe not at the same level of frequency as we did at the beginning, but we still want to continue doing those things. And that was something that I've forgotten. That even if it's just one day a week for an hour or two days a week for 30 minutes, keep going to the gym, go out and get a little bit of steps, have that level of awareness that it wasn't that the process failed. It's that I failed the process because I stopped doing it. I literally let things start falling off the sides thinking that's okay. I can pick up the pieces later. I can put it all back together again. But the fact is, is that when there was a structure to the workouts, when there was a structure to the way I was moving forward on all of this, things were going well. I was seeing it in the mirror. The people were complimenting me. I was definitely seeing it, you know, in my charts that I kept of my weights. I mean, I was like, okay, this is definitely working. And then I stopped working out. And what did I expect? So when I had this level of awareness, it's like, okay, I didn't fail. I learned a lot of things. And at the very end, I learned something, the most important part, that 80% doesn't cut it, that you got to make it all the way to the quote unquote finish line. You got to play it all the way to the credits. Like, don't forget why I'm doing this. See, playing it to the credits is something I talk about a lot. And it can definitely work with wanting to drink one beer at the bar and realizing that your whole life could, you know, spiral down into a shit show again. If you kept thinking that you could just drink one beer, you know, 90 days later, you're, you know, you know, in the back alley scoring some dope at three in the morning. But it can also work for good things. 
play it through to the credits and keep that state of mind. Keep those powerful images of your life that you're going to be able to acquire once you've worked yourself through a process to achieve a goal that matters a lot to you. Like That's what I forgot. Like I had a picture of myself and I just let it go. And of all the things to not let go, it's for me, it's the physical fitness. It's staying active. It, it, no wonder I got angry and I had despair because the number one thing I use to pull myself out of negative emotions is physical fitness. It is the, it is the one thing that has proven itself time and time again to be able to ground me, level me out, and help me push through extremely hard times. When my mom passed away, I, I remember just how much being able to uh, go to the gym, even though I was drinking heavily, still mattered. And so this level of awareness, right, where I became this, it became a fundamental part of my new worldview again. Right? I wanted it to shape how I interpreted and inter- interacted with my own mind. And that's when acceptance came in. I accepted the fact that I worked really hard. I stopped working as hard at the end, and I did not get the results that I had hoped. So it just became an acceptance with the terms I was now living my life on. That I was whispering. That's what I. That's what I call it with my workout buddy. He's like, "Did you hit two hundred like you wanted to?" I'm like, "I whispered. I, I got one ninety nine point eight, and I was just so pissed off at the way I looked naked that morning. I was like, "Fuck this. I am done. I don't care about the last point two. Fuck this. I pissed off. Oh God, I was so angry that morning. So angry. So I just sat there. I just sat there. I stood on that scale, just cursing." just cursing myself. So I realized I just accept this is where I'm at, right? It is my 47th birthday. I'm basically teeter-tottering on 200 pounds. Uh, Two years ago on my birthday, I was my high school weight at 159. And I had decided to put on a bunch of weight, hoping to gain a bunch of muscle and things didn't work out. And, And I had watched a ton of stuff, learned a ton of stuff, mapped it all out, done a really great job. And then you know what? It's just, it is what it is. Right, I just accepted that, okay, this is where I'm currently at. Nobody wants to be on the side of the road with a flat tire. But the faster you can get through angry at the tire and despair about how you're going to fix the tire and then awareness that if there's no other person going to show up, you got to be the one to do it, then you just accept that, okay, the tire's flat. I guess this is what I'm doing now. I'm emptying out everything out of my trunk, getting to the spare tire, praying to every God that exists in the universe that there's enough air into it that I can put it on my car and get myself to a service station. Like you can sit there and curse the tire all you want. And you can sit there on the side of the road and despair all you want. It is not going to fix the tire. So I decided to accept that this was what I had done to myself. This is, I had gone, you know, I will, I will forever remember it as the spring of sugar for, that's what 2023 was. It was the spring of sugar and acceptance can be difficult, right? Because it may not be something that we were taught to just accept ourselves for who we are. It's okay to work really hard at something and have it not necessarily play out the way that you wanted to. And if you were raised by people with a fixed mindset or you've got a lot of fixed mindset friends around you, they might say things like, no, nah, man, I mean, you know, you're just, you're just fat or you're just lazy or you're just whatever. You're just a loser. You're just not going to be able to figure it out. I mean, you might not have people say it that bluntly, but they might say it a lot more 
almost like a little, they don't even mean it to be rude, but it is like, well, you know, some people just don't get to have muscles or, hey, you know, I mean, you're 47. You really should probably, you know, stop thinking that you're going to be able to do any kind of massive changes to your body at this age. And that's, you know, that can be whatever anybody else wants. That, that, you know, your no doesn't become my no just because you say no so many times. I recently was uh, listening to a book where the, the author was talking, it was the, it was the positive self-talk book saying that the average person in the United States, by the time they reach 18, has heard the word no about 183,000 times in their life. We hear no a lot. And a lot of people are just programmed in with that no. And they might want you to just accept this is just where you're at. I will accept where I'm at now, but I will not accept that this has to be where I'm at every single day moving forward. I just won't. Because I know that taking action changes things. I know that when I direct my mind toward a goal, that I get pretty damn close to achieving it. And I'm definitely a hell of a lot better off than I was when I started. And that was the acceptance I had to embrace about this working out journey. I learned a ton of stuff. I put on a lot of strength. I did not put on size. I I learned how to really monitor my food and really stay focused all the way through the winter and making sure I was putting a 100% effort into this stuff. When a lot of people feel felt like hibernating, I was getting my ass out there to the gym regardless of how cold it was or what the weather was, I was figuring out a way. And I just had to accept that I put a ton of effort into something and it didn't play out the way I wanted, but I learned so much along the way. To not feel like I learned nothing, to realize I'd learned so much. This is something I've been talking to you all about for 200 episodes. Is that if you lapse, if you yell at your spouse, if, if, you, if you slide back a couple steps, you did not fail. You learned so much along the way to get to that point, to have that moment of lapse or yelling or whatever it might be. Okay, so now you've got 20, 22 out of 23 days of sobriety, or now you've got 29 out of 30 days where you haven't gotten in an argument with your somebody in your family. Like, you learned a lot, so you had a bad day. Isn't there a song, you had a bad day, I don't remember the rest of the world, had a bad day was all I remember about that song, but I had a bad couple months, but I had to accept it. I had to accept that's where I was at in order to be able to move forward. And that's when I redove back into curiosity, stage four for me. The curiosity has got, got me prepared to do the putting on of the muscle. It was time to get back into curiosity and start to figure out why the results that I started to see throughout the winter weren't the results that I thought I was going to get. It turns out there's this, I'm not going to get into the whole physical aspect. I probably could do a whole episode just on what I've learned about this, but there's this thing called hypertrophy. And I was not as aware of this as I am now when I first started putting on the weight back in October. I was working out specifically to build strength when I wanted to be putting on size. And I didn't realize that if you use heavy weights and less reps, that's more of a strength-driven workout program because I've been following Kino Body for so long and it's always worked for me. And I never did any research really outside of him and Athlean X to really figure out any other methods. And so 
I was just, I loved Kino Body. He helped me lose a lot of weight and put on some muscle. So I thought, all right, I'll just keep ride or dying with this guy. And again, it's not that his program isn't good. In fact, I love his program. He should become an affiliate of mine because I would talk about it all the time. But I wasn't doing the correct workout for what the goal actually was. And that's where curiosity came. So I, once I learned about hypertrophy and realized that um, lower weights and higher reps is actually what's going to put on the size, then I began to watch videos and read magazines and blog articles and stuff specifically geared towards hypertrophy, understanding rep counts, caloric intake, and things of that nature, and shifting my way of thinking, this is how I always want to do it, to a different way. And it's that curiosity that I really want to commend all of you for having. That's why you found this show and for continuing to listen. And so where does curiosity become this state of mind for you? Right? When we want to do something that we've never done, then we have to do things that we've never done. Right? It's the old saying, if you want something you never had, you have to do things you've never done. So how do you do things that you've never done? Well, I'm a huge proponent for research and learning, and then taking that learning and putting it into action. That's what Jim Quick of the Quick Brain says, that knowledge is not power. It's the action you take with that knowledge where the power is. So I went off and I learned a ton of new things. I've listened to hours of podcasts of people talking about hypertrophy and how to, the difference between size and strength and what you need to shift in order to be able to achieve one versus the other. And I know if some of y'all out there are like adamant weightlifters to think that I didn't know a lot of this stuff, I'm surprised too. I was, I mean, I, I got back into that whole anger despair thing with myself even like, how did I not know about this? Like I had such a fixed mindset, like, nope, this is how I do it. This is how I've done it. This has always worked. Anytime I stepped away from Kino body, it didn't seem to work as well as his workouts went. And so I just always would go back to his. I mean, I loved his workouts, still do, still do. I did go off and find somebody new named Hummiston, found him on YouTube, got a hold of his program, and now I've been using his program along with caloric cutting in order to achieve, you know, these 18 pounds or so that I've lost over the last few months and will continue to utilize until I get to 169. And that's going to be the new number. I'm not going to be dropping down to 159. That was extremely exhausting. And frankly, somebody 6'3 shouldn't really be that thin at least in my model of the world, for me, you do you. But for me, I'm like, no, I'll get down to 169. That's great. That'll be a 30-pound loss, and we can call the whole fall-winter workout program a wash, learn a ton, let's reboot it, and let's try a whole different strategy going into the football season. But it's the curiosity for me that mattered so much. And I would love for you to ask yourself, where are you curious? And whenever you go through those initial negative emotions. For you, it could be whatever, but anger, despair were mine. I'm sure you know yours. And I want to help you understand uh, the awareness that it takes to discover this. Like you really got to sit down and talk to somebody about this. Journaling it and talking into my, uh, my journaling app on my iPad was not working as well as it worked with the DAC this morning, talking it out and saying, okay, well, this is what I was feeling and this is where I'm at now. 
right? Okay, what got me from anger and despair to 13 straight days of 10,000 steps and tracking my food for seven days and hitting the gym three to five days a week for three straight weeks? Like, what did I do? It's that kind of level of awareness. Once you can see a pattern, now you can replicate it, right? If you can't discover your pattern, you can't replicate it. And that's, to me, the most important thing. I want to be able to replicate what I do so that I can measure the results, so that I can turn it into a habit and and make it a discipline. That's what matters to me. Shit, I should write that down and turn that into a whole episode, right? Because that's the key thing. If If you cannot measure something, then how are you supposed to replicate it? If you can't replicate it, then how do you know how to turn it into a habit? And if you don't know how to turn it into a habit, then how can you send your discipline toward it? It's extremely important. And that's where the curiosity came in. Let's learn some new stuff. And then that shifted me to stage six, which was the hope. I had hope. I'm like, okay, I figured out what I was doing wrong. I was lifting extremely heavy weights. And that was not what I was supposed to be doing. I was supposed to be lifting lighter weights, just a ton of, ton of, ton of reps. So stage six, hopeful, but that became the emotion. I'm like, oh, okay, drop the weight, up the reps, go much slower. So I'm keeping my muscles in a constant state of like tension, right? It's that time under tension. You want to, okay, so this isn't just tossing up 85 pound dumbbells on flat bench. This is about lowering that weight down to 55 and then getting 15, taking a few breaths and going to failure, take a few breaths, go to failure. That's a set, two minutes of rest, do it again. Can you get to 15, take a few breaths, do it to failure, take a few breaths, do it to failure, and then do that for another third set. And then immediately get your ass over there and start doing some push-ups and doing the dips. Like it's like a 10 second up and 10 second down. It's exhausting. I have to use the little machine where you can use weights to help you on the dip thing. Cause there ain't no way my shoulders are allowing me to go 10 seconds up and 10 seconds down, but I'm making it happen. And it's the hope. It's like, okay, these people are saying that this stuff works. These are experts in the field. I've done a tremendous amount of research. I now have hope that I can figure this out because I have learned new things and I'm ready to put them into action, right? It's this positive event. It started with just watching people on YouTube talk about this and realizing like, oh my goodness, there's this whole thing I was just not even aware of, which bums me out. I have, I have helped so many people so many people release weight. I mean, 20, 30 some people have hired me to help them release weight. And for the life of me, how can I be that good at releasing, but not as good at building? So learning this new stuff, getting over the anger and despair that I felt about not knowing things I thought I was supposed to have known, but what's supposed to, but you know, a conflict word. And then the hopefulness moved into action. Okay, so I've got this hope built by curiosity, built by awareness, built by acceptance. I have this, and now stage seven is action. Everything comes down to action. You can move through the negative emotions of anger and despair. You can get into the awareness. You can get into the acceptance and the curiosity and the hope, but none of that gets you anywhere without the action. Just like when I stopped the action at the beginning of March. Stop going to the gym. What did I expect to happen? 
can have an awesome plan, but a plan ain't shit if you're not putting the plan into action. And that's when it became, all right, got this new workout by Humiston. It's completely different. He's got all these weird-ass workouts. It's like three days a week. I swear he wants me to be at the gym for like two straight hours. My energy level starts to dip around that one hour, 15 mark. So, all right, well then how can I shift some things around? I'm not changing the workout he gave. I'm just cutting out some of the sets. He wants everything done at four sets. All right. For me, where I'm at right now, let's just start start at three. Then three became exhausting. So I went down to two. And then one day I just got, I was like, this is still, I mean, I'm literally banging my head against the wall. And I was like, you know what? Here's what we're going to do, dude. Today you're going to go in and you're just going to do his entire workout. One set. Just do one set. And let's see how you feel when that's done. And so I just went through everything, one set, one per. I was like, okay, okay, I feel it. I see how the body's going to react to this, all right? So I did that with the three workouts that week, and the next week went right back to the beginning of it, and this time I did two. I was like, okay, okay, I did have to drop a little bit of weight. I did have to adjust some things, just mentally mostly. And then uh, two weeks later, I added in the third, and now I'm still at the third set. But it's all because I took action. And Here's the kicker. You can be really good at positive habits and then let one float away for a little while. And you think you can just come back to it and pick it up where you left off. But that's not the way that it works. It doesn't work that physically. It doesn't work that way psychologically. It doesn't work that way, you know, emotionally. Once you've gotten away from something that you used to do very frequently, Right, A little bit of that muscle memory starts to fade. A little bit of that psychological resiliency starts to fade. A little bit of the undesirable emotions about, well, you were good at it, but are you really that good at it because you haven't done it in a while? Like All this stuff starts to shift. And this is something that's extremely important to know about habits. Good habits are great, but the good habits seem to fade much quicker than the bad habits, probably because of the amount of effort that it takes for a good habit. Like going to the gym takes a lot of effort. There's a lot of different steps that take to get there and and do it in a way where you'll actually get the results that you want. Now, I say that, and then part of my brain's like, man, you put a a whole lot of effort into getting cocaine back in the day. That wasn't always easy to get cocaine. But I guess sitting on a phone, calling up 20 people, and then driving 45 minutes... Just it just sounds like it's easier than going to the gym, <laughs> even if it takes the same amount of time. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not putting 200 pounds of weight above my face. <laughs> I'm just driving a two-ton car to a place to buy illicit drugs. So I don't know where I went with that one, but you know, I guess bad habits can also be difficult <laughs> to keep up. <laughs> it just seemed like there was a lot more resiliency to the nose when I was trying to buy blow than the nose that I say to myself whenever I don't want to go to the gym. Either way, this um, taking action, which followed the hope, goes into determination. After I got myself, I and mean, it was my birthday, I was just vicious at myself. Well, you know, and here we are, middle of July. I gave myself a couple weeks to do what I just did, you know, doing the one sets per workout and then going to the two. And by the time I got myself into the three sets per workout, that's when I said it's time to bring the steps in. Because my old habit, when I started back in uh, the year I turned 45, so it was 23, that was 2021, 20, um, 
I was 203 pounds um, on right around the beginning of January, mid, What not important. What's important is I was over 200 pounds. I'd let COVID just demolish me, just sat around eating, you know, what most of us did for COVID. And I came across a video on YouTube on accident that said 10,000 steps a day and you could lose a pound a week. And I was like, bullshit. So I decided to give it a go and lost like nine pounds in that first month. Mostly just because my frame was not in the mood to continue carrying that much weight. So once I started walking and eating healthier, it just naturally started to shed. And my point of making here is that that was the habit I had to remind myself like, okay, when you first did this, it was that daily goal of 10,000 steps, that daily process of putting myself out there and, you know, making sure I got those steps, that was a huge change. That was a huge shift because not only did I get the steps, but then I started drinking more water. I started eating more vegetables. I started cutting back on the sugar, right? Because I started feeling more active. I started stopped feeling so lethargic. I, you know, moved out of that despair and started feeling, you know, this hopefulness and stuff. Two years ago, I remember doing this. So I was like, okay, well, let's start reinstilling some of those habits that helped me go from 203 to 159. Let's bring those back and let's start to integrate those back in now. And that's where this determination came from. Like, okay, you know the basics that got you to release. We're not to the point where we're ready to put on muscle. We still got to cut off another 13 pounds. So let's just focus on the releasing and doing it in a healthy way. So that the frame can reset as it goes down and we don't yo-yo. I mean, there's there's a process to all of this. So I got extremely determined. That was the emotion of determined, right? Realizing that's like, oh, wow, go to the gym for a week. Holy shit, I do feel a lot better. Even if it is just one set. Next week, oh my goodness, two sets. Okay, I can do this. All right, I'm starting to see it a little bit. Starting to lose a little bit of weight. Oh my goodness, there's those top two abs again. Okay, okay, there is this. Let's just reinstill these habits. And that's the determination. To go from the hope to the action to the determined. It takes a few weeks, guys. And anything. You know, the longer you've been doing a negative, bad, or undesirable habit, the longer it could take to shift yourself from that acceptance of, okay, this is where I'm at, into the curiosity that creates the hope, that creates the action, that creates the determined. But you have to stick it out. I have this old sticker that's somewhere in my office that says, um, sure, it's hard, but quitting won't make it happen any faster. And What's interesting when it comes to quitting alcohol and drugs is that's exactly what it takes, quitting alcohol and drugs. But it doesn't mean that the healing and the recovery is going to happen super fast. You got There's the curiosity. You're into curiosity. You're listening to me. You probably listen to other shows. You probably read books. You're paying attention to your physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. You understand your spheres of career self-relationships. Like you're running yourself through a process. And that's that awareness to be able to see what it is you're doing, to be able to step outside of yourself and watch yourself through a third person lens and saying, okay, this is what I'm doing. Then let's see what else I can add over time. And that's another key. We want to slowly add in things. A lot of people get themselves super pumped up. Like, I'm going to walk 10,000 steps. I'm going to ride the bike for five for five hours. I'm going to eat only broccoli. And I'm going to go to the gym seven days a week. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And it's like, what are you talking about? 
You're going to go from lethargic sitting on the couch in your underwear eating bonbons watching The Simpsons straight into these seven things in order to get healthy. You institute one at a time and you slowly bring them in. First, it was going to the gym regularly, getting one set. Then the next week, I got two sets. Then on the third week, when I was ready to bring in the third set, that's whenever I started to do the steps. And then a week after getting steps, 10,000 a day, I started to track the food. And it was a slow process. I brought in one a week. Okay, got seven days, got this, feeling good about this, weight's shedding. It was that determined that said, okay, now it's time to get excited. I started getting excited when I started noticing the scale going backwards simply by cutting out the sugar, bringing in more veggies, and going to the gym more regularly. And in order to get that excited, you can get yourself false excited, which is what I call daydreaming about the goal, daydreaming about the outcome that you'll have. And it's a real excited, but it's an excited that you've created inside your mind about a vision that you have for yourself, but you haven't actually accomplished it. Athletes love to envision themselves hitting a home run and catching the touchdown and winning the Super Bowl. And that's great, right? Envisioning this stuff, having these visualizations in your head, it's powerful. It's an NLP technique that I teach, but it doesn't mean that you've actually done it. Now you got to take the action. Now you got to go off and you got to be consistent. You got to do it day in and day out, even on those days that you think, oh man, do I really have to fuck with this? But it's like the curiosity brings you to hope that takes action. And and the hope feeds action and the action feeds hope. And it's this amazing, amazing, beautiful spiral. But in order to get to the determined, there's a part of your brain that wants to experience some level of outcome that comes from all the other stages you've just gone through. For me, anger and despair leading to awareness and acceptance, leading to curiosity and hope, led to action, which created more determination, which then brought me to excitement. I love me some excitement. Love me some excitement. Oh, excitement's so delicious. Oh, excitement's awesome. And then that brings me to discipline. The excitement breeds the discipline, the excitement breathes this desire to day in and day out, go off and stick to the plan and stay with it. When you have discipline, it is a process to create that discipline. You can't always be using willpower because willpower is like arguing with yourself over whether you really want to be doing this or not. That's exhaustible. Willpower is exhaustible. You might use willpower to get you going. But at some point, if you've got one version of you that's arguing eat sugar and the other version that's arguing with you get 10,000 steps, you've got this conflict constantly going inside you. You've got these two different parts of you that are no longer congruent with what the ultimate goal is. You've got to get them on the same page. Discipline creates this habituation. But if you are having an internal conflict, and it could be coming from the family. Hey, I want to get 10,000 steps and eat healthier, and everybody in your family wants to you know, mainline cheeseburgers. All your friends want to go out to the bar, and what you really want to do is no longer drink and go to the gym. Right? There, there, there could be 
some incongruencies in your environment that you have to work through. For me, I pretty much have a stable environment that I can create. I can come into my office. I can do my work. I can go to the gym. You know, we eat relatively healthy. I mean, I pretty much, you know, a lot, I'm not, I don't demand food, but I can pretty much dictate what the menu is as far as if there's going to be a vegetable involved or 10 sticks of butter. You know, whenever I shift my eating to healthy, I believe Jen actually likes it because she's like, then I just start eating healthier because what I'm making for us is, you know, Jesse releasing weight certified. All of a sudden, she's like, well, you know, what's for dinner? And I'm like, well, you know, I'd love some chicken and some broccoli. Now, what can we do to make it more interesting than just chicken and broccoli? And she'll use some heavy cream on the chicken and make this delicious little chicken sauce. But instead of, you know, getting six ounces of the sauce on my chicken, it's only one ounce now. Instead of it being, you know, huge heaping spoonfuls of mashed potatoes, it's only six ounces of mashed potatoes now. And now we're roasting broccoli instead of uh, firing up some onion rings in the deep fryer. Like it's these little shifts because I am watching this work. It turns into that discipline. We went to the water park yesterday, and as we were leaving, she's like, you know, what are your thoughts on going by Freddy's and getting some custard? I'm like, God, I don't really know if I'm, you know, to the point. I was really hoping not to put ice cream in my mouth until I got down to 179. She's like, where are you at now? I'm like, I'm in the 182s. She's like, well, I can just get some. You can just watch me eat it. And I was like, okay, don't be a dick. Of course, I don't want to do it that way. (laughs) Give me the fucking custard. She's like, well, we've discussed this in the past, so I'm going to bring it up again. She's like, but you do realize that there's another size besides large. (laughs) And I just laughed. I'm like, I know there's another size besides large, but it's like, if you go, it's like the small is $3 and the large is four and you get three times as much. Like it just seems more economically viable to just get the large. She's like, but you don't want to get the large and then eat all of the large. And so it turned out there was this mini and I got it and it was delicious for 80 calories more. They put a little bit of Oreos on it. And I just, oh, I, I, it was succulent. And I absorbed each and I just ate it so slowly and I just enjoyed the delicious flavor because I will not taste ice cream again until I'm down into the 170s. And that's that discipline. Like I, it was, I had to convince myself to eat the ice cream rather than convincing myself to not eat the ice cream. It's because I started to get more and more determined through my actions that continues the excitement that brought me into discipline. And I did not mean for this episode to go an hour, but I guess that's what happens whenever you don't get on the microphone for oh two weeks. So there's a lot to unravel here, and I am going to tighten this up and bring this back up again later because I think... There's probably a process I could teach to you, but this is the first time, and I'm going to even call this part one, like the process, you know, like, I don't know, the emotional states to state of mind, the change process, something. There's something else in here, but a lot of the times I overthink these episodes and I just want to make it just the most beautiful, amazing episode ever. And then there's the times where I'm just like, okay, let's just speak what's been going on and let's just see what comes out of my mouth because I don't really know how I'm going to talk about all this stuff till I start talking about all this stuff. It is absolutely phenomenal for me to have had this realization this morning and the DAC watching me, they're like, let's walk you through what you just said. So that initial anger, you know, that was the catalyst for this change, this dissatisfaction of my current situation. 
it literally drove me to set more goals, uh, to break through what I had done to myself. And it was difficult for me to manage the emotion constructively. I will not deny that. I was very angry towards not just people in my home, you know, which would maybe, maybe it was like, if I'm normally at like a three, I would have gone to like a five or if I wasn't, you know, I wasn't just like, ah, scream at everybody. Cause I, I love to be angry at myself. It's my favorite thing. I've got a mirror in my office that I put in here because of what the hell is that guy named David Goggins. And I think you're supposed to put post-it notes on it about your goals. And instead I just like to look at it and shake my head like you're fucking morons. (laughs) Probably should read, listen to David Goggins's book. So that anger emotion led to the feelings of despair. Now I had to evaluate my current circumstance extremely critically leading to this creation of a goal aimed at overcoming the source of my despair, which was the, oh my goodness, I can't believe you just put on 30 pounds and you know, you're 47 years old. And just two years ago on your birthday, you were 159. Like, what have you done? You clearly weren't doing it correctly. Learn more, do, you know, learn more, do better. Uh, Awareness, right? Allow me to understand my strengths, my weaknesses, the opportunities, uh, perhaps some of the threats, you know, not necessarily threats like somebody's going to stab me in an alley as much as the threats of my own mind being counterproductive to what I was I'm trying to achieve. You have a lot of your own internal threats, right? So it helped me set a realistic goal and to develop a, a strategy to really think about what would the strategy be when I go to shift all of this. And that led to acceptance, right? That helped me be realistically just appraise my current situation and my abilities to reach the goal and understand that there will be setbacks, right? It just reinforces my resiliency uh, and it really contributes to the sustained effort. Then that leads me into curiosity. That drives the learning. That drives the innovation. That propels me to explore different paths to achieve my goal, right? It I need to remain open to new strategies, new ideas, revisions to my goals. That was a, that was a slap across the face because there's other areas of my life where I'm like, oh, you know, I've read 30 books on this. I don't need any more information. But perhaps if I said, well, what's something new that could touch me, that could spark me today, I would hear something different. Then it moved into hope, motivated me to strive towards my goal. I expect positive outcomes. It uplifted my spirits, especially because I was going through this at the same time that we were buying a house and renovating and it was just so much. And I'm like, okay, I get to journey towards my goal. I know I'm really good at releasing weight. Again, I've been doing it for years, literally as a coach. Like I got a system. Now, clearly, I uh, do not have a great system for putting on muscle. So maybe I can put more energy towards that. And that's what I did. The curiosity to do this. Now I'm going to be in the process of taking action on that. Without action, no goal can be achieved. Taking action is the utmost, most important thing, right? Any action is better than no action for the most part. I mean, if you've got a spare tire in your trunk and you decide your action is going to be walk 74 miles to the nearest town, uh, maybe that's not good action (laughs) because you had a spare tire in your trunk. Do that action. So at least know know the more desirable action, if you will. And then you can put your plans into motion with a positive attitude. And you can, again, adjust the strategy as needed like I did. Right? One set, one week, then two sets, then three sets. Instead of trying to just pile drive myself into an entirely new program that was exhausting me. 
the determination uh, provides that drive to persist in the face of the challenges, in the face of a lot of work, or in the face of a renovation that needs to be done, or in the face of just being tired. It's that determination where I'm like, no, I'm going to keep taking action because I know the more I take action, the more I will get something that leads me to the outcome I desire. Slow, obstacles, whatever it might be, life is going to get in the way. What is it, the saying, um, tell God your plans, he loves to have a good laugh. Then the excitement. All right, the excitement fuels those goals. It, it's motivating. It, it re-inspires that commitment. It, it engages me into the enjoyable actions that come from just this determination. Next thing you know, it's bolstering my perseverance. It's bolstering my attitude. It's bolstering my outlook on life and then shifting it into discipline. It, it is critical for consistent progress towards any goal. You've got to ensure you stick to a plan. The plan you made might shift a lot. You might be flexibility, flexing, flexibility off of a plan, right? But plans are worthless, but planning is priceless. Basically meaning that everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? You got to have a plan that you can flex from, and then you can start to utilize that determination, right? That effort that motivates you. You're going to, we're going to wax and wane. Some days we're going to have tons of motivation. We're going to have tons of determination. And other days it's going to be waning and we're going to be tired. But it's like, to me, it's like, okay, if I do nothing else today, 10,000 steps, maybe that means I'm getting those steps. Um, as I, you know, um, walk around the neighborhood, maybe it means that I'm getting the steps on the exercise bike, but one way or another, I am getting that physical activity. I am moving myself forward. I refuse to not continue moving forward on this. I just refuse. It's like I have snapped back into let's get this some shit done mode. And that's what we're going to do. And all right, my friends. Now, again, this was (laughs) off the cuff. I mean, literally figured all this out this morning, put it into some show notes, just started writing and then just spit it out. And congratulations, you got an hour and eight minutes of me and probably another two just so I can close this up. I really love diving into my brain. I think you do too. Not just love diving into my brain, but I think you love diving into your own brain. And I would love for you to sit down. I'm going to put these 10 stages into the show notes. I would love for you to sit down and go over something that's happened to you recently that you've been disappointed in yourself about. It could have been a goal you were working towards, could have been an objective, uh, could have been your sobriety and recovery, could have been going to meetings 30, to 30 and 30, and then you didn't, and you did 22 and 30, or it could be whatever. Certainly, we're all human, so therefore, we all have similar experiences to the one I just went through. Grab your own and step into that kind of level of awareness. Use mine if you'd like. And say, okay, the first couple stages are very powerful negative emotions, right? Then there's some level of contentment, some some level of leveling it out, right? Then, you know, then there's that, okay, let's pick ourselves up off the floor and figure this out, right? So now we're starting to be like, dun, 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 right? That's, that's, that's that third section, right? So you get negative emotions, anger, and despair. Then you start to ground yourself and level out. That's that awareness and acceptance. Then you start saying, okay, let's figure something different out. That's curiosity into hope, 
right? You're dun, 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 dun. Now you take action. Now you're up off. Now you're dun, 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 dun. You're like Rocky against the Russian. Dun, 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 dun. You got to take that action. And that action begins to fuel the determination, the excitement, the discipline. It's that. It's that. So, so maybe you use mine. Or you just say, okay, so now we've got these sort of different sections to it. You know, the undesirable, the grounding, the, the, the leveling out, the taking of the action that moves us into the positive emotions. So this would be delicious. And I would love if you guys were to, uh, you know, run this yourself. See where it goes. Um, jump over to one of the social media outlets and drop me a comment. I swear to you, I've, I've made this promise so many times. I'm going to get back into social media. I found it extremely toxic during COVID, and I just never have really gone back to it. But I will work on that. If you would love to give me some feedback on what you thought about this episode, maybe even tell me how this went for you, uh, you can always send emails to from sobriety recovery at gmail.com or simply go over to jessemogul.com slash ask me and fill out one of my little sheets and give me some knowledge about you. So I'd love to hear how you have utilized in this in your life and perhaps join the tribe because I would love to hear how they internalize this and notice where it's showing up in their lives. All right. I believe it is 1245 in the morning and I've got to be up in six hours. So probably should uh, stop talking and edit this so that you guys can listen to it in the morning. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives because we wake up sober. Shober. How many times have I done that at the end of these episodes? <laughs> Shout out to Sunshine Glow On. See you next week. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.